0: Next in the feed, guys, it's me talking to Paul Smith of Barclays. Okay, I am here with longtime friend and uh, colleague in the accessibility space. Paul Smith, Paul, do you wanna introduce yourself?
1: Yeah, sure. So I'm um uh, I- I'm Paul. I head up digital accessibility for uh, for Barclays. Um, I know we've been involved for the last two, three years uh, at TechShare Pro, um, you know, really excited to host TechShare Pro last year, and it's great really one year on, you know, it's got bigger, better, two days, huge amount of speakers and content, um, so, you know, I'm really looking forward to um, to sort of attending, and I think there's so much change and challenge that's happened over the last year, which I'm sure we can come on to, um, that, that, you know, really means accessibility is kind of of more interest of more benefit to more people than ever before
0: brilliant yeah we certainly will and um you're not just attending you are on the accessibility leadership panel session as well and mm-hmm. so we, you know let's start there
1: shall we um yeah i mean so, so in terms of explaining so so my role for Barclays, so leading accessibility for a, a, a big corporate um you know as you can imagine that's wearing several hats about sort of setting uh You know, um, standards and processes that folks follow, making sure our members of staff um, have a sense of empathy and compassion. Our kind of customers come in different shapes and sizes. Um, So helping them care and helping them code in an accessible way. And then looking at, you know, partnerships and uh, innovation. How can we use new, clever, whizzy, emerging tech to solve existing challenges faced by sort of disabled or older, vulnerable um, sort of customers and colleagues? So so there's sort of lots going on leading the accessibility agenda for a large corporate. Sort of outside of a bank too, right? I um, I kind of coach ever business disability forum. and am tech task force, so mm-hmm. I speak to lots of businesses and organisations daily about what's changing. And I'm kind of in this unique position around being the sort of disability sector champion for the um, UK government for the disability minister around web accessibility. So, you know, me having a a severe um, sight impairment, I've kind of got a foot in each of these three camps of what's going on with businesses around accessibility, what are the government doing around legislation and so forth, um, and also kind of as a, a disabled you know, leader and role model and involved in lots of charities about how can we really make sure that the disability community are more more visible more vocal at shifting things forward. So so maybe, maybe just kind of un- unpicking that more over what's shifted in the last year. Um, when I reflect on this, right, and, and kind of what I'm keen up, what, what what unpack at TechShare Pro is, you know, last year, we've seen a, a huge amount more around sort of legislation mm-hmm. um, over the past year. So, you know, the last couple of months the um, in Europe, Kind of new uh, accessibility regulations around sort of public sector websites, mm-hmm. um, you know, which is is slowly coming to sort of private sector too, um, you know, and that's that's really great that the law is is more clear in demanding things. And we're seeing this in the states too with more litigation and <laughs> Domino's Pizza and others, right? Yep. Um, but you know, in in short, we're saying the law requires more around accessibility. And mean, in the last year too, right, I guess user expectations, there's so much great accessibility goodness cooked into people's smartphones. Mm. And now that extending to, you know, whether it's your your, your voice assistant or to um, smart TVs and all sorts of other other things. And it's found that people, they're starting to, um, you know, expect it and require it in others. So there's really sort of raising the bar. Um, you know, which is fab to see from um, a user perspective and being a bit more vocal when people and brands aren't doing enough. And, and just from a sort of final point, so if that's about sort of consumers. I, I guess the business is right. We've seen certainly over the past year, I think about we as Barclays, you know, we've been involved in a sort of valuable 500 campaign about this sort of disability inclusion revolution, putting disability right at the top of your sort of group board, committing to it, about being serious, committed, and it brings a multitude of benefits. So, you know, I speak to lots of businesses um, daily who are waking up to the fact of this, so whether it's because new laws dictate you have to do something. So, you know, I, I think we're now starting to See when I think about accessibility leadership, um, coming to the start, there's almost sort of two tiers. There's kind of organizations that are quite new to this and are asking the basic questions about where do I start, how do I get an expert, what are the things they should focus on, how do I do reasonable adjustments to staff, and then there's the more sophisticated organizations, um, you know, who are looking how do we build kind of champions, um, in this space, how do we go beyond the kind of le- legal minimum around checklists, um, that we, we're kind of that we failed or more about customers that we're failing, you know, and, and all sorts of things about baking into everything we change or build or buy, you know, our processes and not just, you know, bolting things on in terms absolutely. of new services or features that we offer to some customers, but actually for everyone.
0: I mean, absolutely. So you're right. There's, you know, different organizations are on different um, stages of this ongoing journey. And it's never, a, you know, you never get to the final destination. It's always something that you need to work on. And, you know, you've been championing accessibility within Barclays for many years now. And as a result, um, I'm assuming you've been instrumental in this because it takes an awful lot of effort. And, you know, Barclays don't, push anything live without having factored in accessibility you know prioritized it at the core of everything that you do and as a result you've just got better products that are more inclusive you know for a really diverse audience as you mentioned before but it can't have been easy and one thing that um I usually touch upon is that you know an accessibility champion however potent and however good their superhero powers are um you know, it's not enough. You need to have an accessibility champion in each department. You need to have an accessibility champion in each team. Each member of that team also needs to own inclusion as well. So how much of a challenge making this like an ongoing process that that sticks has that been for you?
1: Yeah, I I mean, I think you're right that it's a real uphill battle, you know, when you're working at a large corporate and there's a whole bunch of other priorities and and regulations going on and i sort of think back to me 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 and my um vision impairment right and disability i guess it teaches us to be very resilient and resourceful and i think that kind of comes through actually leading accessibility and some of those kind of attributes and traits you know that the superpowers kind of really help because i think um i think you're certainly right robin sort of making sure that everyone um understands what accessibility is and and plays their part you know this isn't an us and them that we have an accessibility person and they're the only one that worries about and does anything around accessibility it's really sort of shifting that culture that this isn't a sort of um a legal have to but it's a kind of commercial and moral want to and i know barclay's shifting our, our culture we've often talked about these kind of free um free kind of pronged approach that we need to um again sort of really build empathy and compassion if we've got offshore teams building stuff they might not always see the the barclays uh, customers walking through our bank branches say and the fact they do come in different shapes and sizes so we need to sort of inspire hearts so mm. that you know the wow moments that we get things right the pain points that we don't we need to kind of educate heads about all the lovely um accessibility kind of courses resources out there so that people know how to consider and deliver accessibility mm. inclusive design um and then we need to kind of um enable hands, i.e. very practical tools for the job, what they can actually apply in their day jobs, what they need to kind of think about and and, and do differently. So I think there's something about just raising the bar around culture, around accessibility, and that kind of not legal have to do but commercial will want to do is, is, is really key and, and not just having one champion or one accessibility lead but a, again lots of senior leaders who will understand this who are all visible and vocal in saying that you know this isn't just lip service but it's really important i think for barclays we've um, you know got a public statement of intent about being the most accessible FTSE company full stop which is great mm. kind of linked to our values about you know um some opportunities for customers, clients, colleagues to kind of rise, um, but you know, a, a, again, it's it, it's it's a very um, long-term challenge to make sure that we weave this into the DNA of the organisation. So again, it's not just this low-hanging fruit of doing a pet project over here, certain pockets of disability community, but actually, how do we apply this to everything, all our products and services? And you can imagine, you know, it takes a little bit more time because it's a little bit more, a um, little bit more challenging.
0: Yeah, and I, I love that. Um, well, you, you're just so good at getting the message across, that triumvirate of heads, heart and hands. And, you know, what that means in a, in reality for, you know, an organisation and for every employee, every member of that team. And, you know, the passion that you have, I'm sure, has played a big part in, you know, really shifting the needle within Barclays. And, I mean, there isn't kind of clear data on how accessible the FTSE 500 250 100 whatever are but you know you're probably at the top or very near the top because of the commitment that you've put in you mentioned earlier on about how accessibility or inclusion is being baked in into almost every product these days and it's absolutely the case you know apple i would probably argue has kind of led the way and you know brought everyone along with it and that, I don't know about you, but that really strengthens the argument to say, look, you, you know, you can't turn around without seeing accessibility in front of you everywhere these days. And, you know, if the big names in tech and digital are taking it this seriously, then us as a digital organisation absolutely need to, too, to make sure that our products and services are fit for purpose going forward in like a digital first platform agnostic, you know, um Proliferation of tech world that we're that we're definitely living in.
1: Yeah, i, I you know, I think Apple and and our others, you know, Microsoft have really stepped up efforts, and I think that sort of um, rising tide lifts all ships yep. is, is is really valid point, right, Robin? That, that that there's a lot of um organisations out there that are really differentiating their services when they double down accessibility, and a lot of other businesses kind of um standing, you know, watching that, thinking, cripes you know, how, how do I do that too?" Um, you know, which is why it's so such an important time to, you know, get involved in the accessibility community and accessibility profession to professionalize that. Mm-hmm. So, of course, lots of what we're doing with um, where it's the Business Disability Forum and sort of new benchmarking tools. So that at an organizational level, you can look at here's the sorts of things that being awesome accessibility, you need to focus on. And then which few things do, do you focus on? Over the next few months. So, you know, there's some great new resources at an organization level. And then of course, for individuals, for accessibility experts, um, you know, I think events like TechShare Pro are so important that people can come along and learn, share, grow from others. And we know that, you know, Barclays inability AbilityNet, in our relationship goes back, you know, a, a decade in terms of yep. working with external experts who really know their stuff around disability, I mean, added needs, preferences, abilities of so, um, and also International Association of Accessibility Professionals. So how do we kind of build the, um, you know, certification is is a, is a bit of a fluffy word. But for me, it's sort of building the textbook that an accessibility expert would need to know, and the kind of test and title that they have as more and more organisations are looking externally and saying, you know, crikey, we, we, we need to get an accessibility expert in here to help us with this, uh, you know, to help us with our, our digital presence to be more accessible. So, yeah, there's, the, you know, there's a number of um, of moving parts of this, but it goes back to that it's, it's kind of never been, in my mind, you know, such a fab time to be involved in accessibility and inclusive design. I, I think the sort of final sort of point that I'd, what I'd make is that with all this added focus and tension over the last year or so in particular with the tech community right around diversity and inclusion Mm. whether that's kind of the gender agenda and women in tech um you know whether it's about um the um gender pay gap and so forth i think sometimes more and more people are now jumping in and talking about uh inclusive design inclusivity and sometimes that kind of muddies things so i think the point you made before about sort of being really clear concise about what accessibility kind of means i I think for barclays we've certainly over the last few months been looking at kind of inclusive design and um i think sometimes when you think about diversity and inclusion it's it's kind of um it's always seen as competing about you know what do we do to help people who might um you know from um a disabilities perspective versus um you know culture or gender or sexuality or whatever and and often it's it's kind of competing and, and disability seen as the poor cousin often and, and caroline casey my valuable 500 mm. sort of use this language and i think for us we've kind of almost gone back to basics on how we talk about inclusive design within my bank but but it is really for um for everyone and and maybe just just to kind of um bring this to life with the kind of the story that i tell of how, how to explain inclusive design I, I sort of think if i'm if i'm building a product i want to make sure it works for everyone and i sort of think about i have all those sort of population of users and if i sort of drew them on a page you know most of those users would be clumped to the center you know to the average or normal whether we're talking about age or gender or disability and let, let's say a really numpty example right um if, if i'm building like um, a lift for a building and i'm figuring out you know how do i design this product where do i place the lift button Mm -hmm. and often most organizations when they're building a product they think about you know step one they consider how's it going to work for their customers and that really means the average customer so that my lift button, say i might say well people are so short people are so tall if i place the lift button here it should work for most and that's kind of like the one size fits most Mm -hmm. one size fits all approach and most businesses kind of stop there and i guess what inclusive design is is really all about is saying well it's not really good enough and we need to kind of be consciously conscious that we are still excluding on a minority of people you know maybe that's 20 percent of people around the edges or whatever and we need to pay attention to those and actually speak to individuals individually to sort of say well what would i need to do to get this product working for you so like continuing this this numpty analogy right you know maybe that's the lift button that i've got someone super tall over here and i need to have a second button placed higher so it works for everyone else as before but works for this other person or maybe, you know, someone who's um, a wheelchair power user who, who needs some uh, beacon, say, to work, or maybe a blind person might need some audio announcements to know where the button is. But you get the idea, you start mm-hmm. to kind of build in added things so that people can use your product in a multitude of ways. And and slowly, you know, I sort of step one was I considered how do I get this working for an average customer? Step two was I actually consulted with real-world people, paid attention to the edges. And I sort of think that, When you imagine all these people on the page we're kind of throwing a lasso of inclusion a sort of net over that there's the people that are contained that my product works for and then there's people excluded and it's really focusing in on those um those kind of excluded groups and looking at what added steps do i need to take to get my products or service to work for them um and again you know people are different the world's messy so you know it, it, it it takes time it's about people and it's not about checklists um so again, there's some really important messages for me when I think about inclusive design and how we kind of tell that story of making sure everyone's on the same page, that we have a consistent understanding um, of, you know, what it is. And, and many people, you know, in Barclays and, and beyond, they they sort of step back and think, you know, I, I never really thought about that. So, you know, the, the spinny, doors to our corporate offices Right, <laughs> if you're right-handed if you're left-handed yeah or if your guide not, dog gets chopped in half oh yeah, yeah tell me about it Primo done that or you know like the um sensors and lo- lose for you know if you're blind really hard to flush or yep. maybe you wash your hands in the sink and your skin color you know who designed for the, the taps and the sensors. it doesn't work for, you <laughs> know these things are kind of horrendous and real world examples of how you know the way something was built unintentionally kind of Excluded a certain group of of individuals, whether it's about disability or whether it's about more broadly. So you know this kind of lasso of inclusion is kind of a really useful tool. And again, thinking about you know one consider sort of average customers, two consult with rural people, and three if you hire diverse disabled people to build your products to be involved in your projects, they're kind of better. They can see things from more perspectives to make sure that that lasso of inclusion fits over more potential users who are using your product. So, you know, I know a bit, bit of a tangent there, but it's it's really important just to share some of these sort of ideas around how we think about, you know, how we talk about inclusive design so that folks on the same page and that people new to this kind of have um, a similar understanding.
0: Absolutely. That's a really powerful message to convey before we, you know, sign off because that, you know, Barclays and BDF... Have created a lot of really powerful, really useful external-facing resources around uh, diversity, around inclusion, around accessibility. But you, no plan uh, survives contact with the enemy. That's probably not a good <laughs> comparison. <laughs> but you're absolutely right. You need—it's a process, and you've got that. You need the guidance. Um, you need to create uh, an initial concept or prototype or product but then you absolutely need to get end users involved and if there's a diverse team creating that initial mvp then you know it's going to be pretty good to to start with but you're absolutely right and the beauty about digital is although we absolutely need to consider inclusion in the real world as you are using the lift analogy there it's a lot more reasonable and easy to do in digital when it's just bits that you're pushing around. So why aren't people doing it? So yeah, absolutely. Um Barclays is a brilliant example of taking the right approach, a really mature model that you've got towards, you know, ensuring that accessibility and inclusion are sufficiently prioritized and implemented. So fantastic. Yeah, you mentioned Karen Casey, she's keynoting at TechShare Pro Guys, if you haven't got your ticket get in there quick. There, I don't know if there's any left now by the time the uh, podcast <laughs> goes out, but um, you'll obviously hear her. You'll hear Paul and see him. Sorry, I'm going from the blind-centric point of view there. Paul, <laughs> see Paul in all his glory on the Accessibility Leadership panel, <laughs> along with loads of other brilliant uh, contributors as well. Paul, thank you very much. Yeah, well, thanks, Robin, and uh,
1: see you at Texture Pro. Cheers, looking, all.
0: Looking forward to it. Thanks, mate. <music>